0: We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. Happy Monday, everybody. Short week for the Dukes. They get set for Marshall on Thursday. Let's talk some James Madison football. We'll do that with the beat writer of the Dukes right now, and that is Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Hi, Shane. How are you, sir?
1: Good. How are you doing, Dave?
0: I'm doing well. Again, it's a short week. We'll talk about the game with Marshall coming up on Thursday, but let's, let's look back to this past Saturday, a 41-13 victory over Georgia Southern, and just your overall impressions of the game on Saturday.
1: I... Very impressed. I mean, I think we were kind of waiting for JMU to put together a uh, a full game effort to come out firing in the second half. And they uh, obviously did that uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I felt like they were prepared and locked in and focused and were probably going to beat Georgia Southern. I wasn't expecting it to be, you know, it ended up being 41-13, but it was really like a 41-6 to game without – you know the touchdown came late against a second string defense and um it, it was just dominant performance by the dukes
0: really was and it's it was good to see finally but you're right i didn't i didn't expect that either but it is good to see that um, <laughs> it's very I guess this, this is a team that has found ways to win, but to finally put a complete game together, and, and again, still, there's still a lot left to be out there, but um, it was good to see them finally put a game together like this, and it does seem like they were locked in, and, and the bye week did them good.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was, I guess, um, yeah, I'm kind of working on writing it right now, but you, you think about it, like, the coaching staff, Kurt Signetti, it seems like they hit on all the right motivational points, you know, that they, they, they talked a lot about, you know, not liking the way they lost that game at Georgia Southern last year. And, you know, Kurt Signetti kind of talked about the things Jordan McLeod needed to do and you, you know, went through the media kind of to like publicly motivate him. And then, you know, we all heard about the, the halftime speech of, you know, they're over there saying, we choke, we choke, we choke, we choke, and uh, you know? So, I mean, it, it seems like the coaching staff really, really hit all the right motivationally speaking in this one and then they were just you know locked in and and prepared like you know game plan was there the execution was there and probably the first time that those things were present at the same time Mm -hmm. for throughout an entire game
0: offensively again we've talked about this but Jordan McLeod just continues to make strides, and i th- I thought, and we've talked about this, but he took some shots on some of the third and fourth down conversions, especially early in the game, that first half. He was standing in the pocket and delivering the football and, and at times earlier this year he kind of had happy feet. It feels like he really is settling in,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's you know part of not playing for two years and you're you're not getting hit in practice when you're you know one of the when you're any quarterback, really, at that level, but especially if you're a guy who might start, or you know, he started he started second string, but it was a guy they were expecting to have to use this year. And um, yeah, yeah, really, not until probably you know the past few weeks has he gotten used to just being in live action where he might take a shot and he might get hit, and um, you know they're not enough because he's wearing a black jersey in practice, and uh, about the game speed seems to be settling in for him at this point and i think people kind of forgot that you know this is a guy who has a lot of experience but it had been a long time since he would played a game where the other guys are out there actually trying to hurt you <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> yes 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 they are and, and one thing I thought he, he did a good job of, too, and I know you, you, you mentioned this in your notes, is that there are a lot of six different receivers caught, caught the ball, and he's spreading the football around. It's not just Reggie Brown. Elijah Surratt's starting to become one of his favorite guys. His roommate, Phoenix Sprouls, got back involved in the action. Uh, Yamir Knight, Omar, Omar Andalison didn't get a ton of touches, but when they did, they, they made some plays. Uh, I, I feel like that's that's an important part of this offense, too, that you can't just look at, at an Antoine Wells or a Chris Thornton or somebody like that, it's its multiple options, and, and he doesn't seem to, to have a favorite. I know Elijah's kind of becoming the favorite, but to spread the football out like he did on Saturday, I thought, is going to be, be very important moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, and even they targeted Taji Hudson in that game too. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I think he had a drop. I mean, so there were a lot of guys that were getting involved, uh, you know, throwing it to, uh, to Kalon Black out of the backfield right. too, uh, you know a couple touchdown passes he maybe even could have had a couple more um on saturday um so yeah they they were getting guys involved. I thought it was definitely a good sign to see them figure out a way to uh get phoenix Brolls involved he he kind of had been you know n- not absent he was on the field, but he hadn't right. hadn't had many catches the past few weeks and um you know using him out of that slot position they were kind of you know just throwing throwing to him in the flat letting let him uh catch and run and uh yeah, really, just kind of got everybody involved, and but I think Sproles in particular, I think was the one was like it was yeah. a really good sign to see him uh, have multiple catches.
0: Yeah, the seven catches I think it was against Virginia, but only I think two cents. so finally good to see him get back involved. And and you mentioned uh, Kalon Black and, and Tyson Laden earlier in the season. The, they're getting the running backs involved in the passing game a lot we we saw the, the the kb touchdown against virginia he had a couple tds and you're right he probably could have at least one more uh if not two in the game on saturday but that's such a weapon to get those guys out in space and they've done a good job i think getting those running backs involved in the passing game
1: yeah and especially when you consider they lost solomon van horse right. early in the season and that was kind of his specialty was catching balls out of the backfield and uh you know so Kaylon Black has really stepped that up and Tyson Lawton definitely has that ability. Uh even a guy Wayne Knight, who uh, hasn't gotten as many touches or even playing time here recently, I think is somebody they can use in that capacity. Um and wouldn't be surprised to see him at times. But you know, they ca- it kinda has become, you know, Kaylon Black, Tyson Lawton's job at the running back position, it seems like. And, you know, they're both they're gonna get touches, you know, both ways, but uh <clears throat> Definitely, it was it was kind of a breakout performance as a receiver for for Kalon. Mm-hmm. E- even saying that, saying that, even knowing that he had the uh, the game winning catch <laughs> against UVA. No, to for see, sure. See them go go his way a few times was was notable. Well,
0: if they couldn't connect on that wheel route too down down the near sideline the one time, I think he probably scores on that too. Just missed him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that one. And then um, you know one of the, one of the only real bad passes that. Uh, that uh Jordan McConnell yeah, threw was, you know kinda of underthrown on him but it looked like he could have probably caught it and walked it to the end zone. So no um yeah.
0: We're down to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record talking some JMU football recapping Saturday. And we'll look at the Thursday as well when they take on the Marshall Thundering herd. And you know, defensively this this team's always uh, is always good and, and the defensive front still continues to wreak havoc. This is a team that wants to get the ball out quick in Georgia Southern and still had what three sacks in the football game. But it does seem like the secondary is getting better. Chauncey Logan had the pick. I know it was Tip, but the safeties were involved in that also. Ch- Chris Chukoneke had a pick. I I I feel like the secondary is getting better every single Week. Do you?
1: I do, do, and you know, there's another thing I, I kind of wrote about. You know, after you know, hearing Kurt Signetti kind of you know, we just break it down is you know, these guys they're now that they've gotten in the Sun Belt play, teams know this team, they know they're not going to be able to run the ball against JMU, they're not even trying. So when you throw it 50 times in a game, you're going to have some passing yards. So, it's not necessarily that surprising that JMU is at the bottom of the Sun Belt as far as allowing yardage, but they're not giving up very many touchdowns through the air. They're getting some picks, and they're holding these quarterbacks, these veteran quarterbacks. They're not completing at the same percentage they typically do against the secondary. So, I think he came in 70%. Maybe the yardage doesn't really tell the story of how good the secondary is doing here in the past few weeks.
0: I agree because he came in completing seventy percent of his passes coming into the coming in the game, and that was through the first five games. He was thirty-one of fifty-two, two seventy-one, no touchdowns in the football game, and obviously got the pick on uh, on French, the backup quarterback, when James Carpenter got that one. But they threw fifty-nine times to get three hundred and four yards. I mean, I you'll take that. I think as a defense, if they're throwing sixty times to get three hundred yards, uh, that's going to be a win for the most part.
1: Yeah. and I mean, you can go back to the Troy game. Like, you know, they threw right. some for some tro- passing yardage, but Troy threw it 46 times. I think it was just yeah. completely out of character for Troy to throw the ball that much. And, uh, you know, they're not getting into the end zone that way. Uh, and it's another guy, you know, both Carter Bradley at South Alabama and, you know, Gunnar Watson at Troy were both below their average completion. And, you know, 60% completion percentage sounds pretty good, but when you're, when you're not running the ball at all and 40% of the time you're throwing incompletions, that's basically just stopping them at the line of scrimmage right. at least half the time. And that's a pretty good recipe for success defensively.
0: Yeah, no question about that. We're talking to Shane Mettlin from the Daily News Record. Dukes are now 6-0, and 3-0 in the Sun Bowl. Should they be ranked? Were you surprised they weren't ranked?
1: Hey, I don't know. When I started looking <laughs> at you know, who lost, who won, who was getting much ahead of them, the, the right outside the top 25 was kind of where I thought they would end up being um yeah i think you can definitely make an argument that they should be ranked at this point you know being one of the few undefeated teams left and that that solid of performance and i think you know their schedule looks better and better each week mm-hmm. as you know we see what other teams do against common opponents but um you know, not not necessarily surprised that they were a little bit outside the top twenty five, but I think they're definitely proving to be a top twenty five caliber type of team at this point. I think
0: they win Thursday at Marshall; they'll be in the top twenty five. I <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think there's much doubt about that. And, you know, especially you know, even you know, playing on ESPN, the main right. channel and uh, yep. the prime time, and the uh, only game well, there's two games of the night, but it's the one that most people will be watching if they're watching college football. And yeah. I think. Uh, you know, that that'll help too if they can, you know, win on a big stage like that. No
0: question. You know, one thing that, that I don't I don't I don't think it gets overlooked, it just doesn't get talked about a ton, but I think it's gonna come down to probably a kick at some point in time. But Camden Wise has not missed a kick this year. And whether that be a PAT or a field goal, he's nine for nine on field goals. He got to such a slow start a year ago following in the footsteps of of, of Ethan Ratke, but he made nine of his last ten to end last year. He's nine for nine this year. So he's eighteen for his last nineteen on field goal attempts and then Ryan Hansen comes over from Arkansas State. He doesn't have a tremendous average, but it's mainly because he's been trying to kill the, the opponents inside the 10-yard the line a ton this year, and he does it, and, and that led to a score last year. I think those two guys are kind of unsung heroes for this team.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, if the if the field goal kicker and the place kicker and making extra points, if he's not missing, you kind of just forget about it because he's not a guy who's there sitting sending out there to make 60 yarders, but... You know, he was, he was really, I mean, he nailed it from 40, what was it, 44, 45 uh, the other day. And, you know, he probably didn't have that much comfort in sending him out there for that one early right. last season. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's a little bit like Jordan McLeod where, you know, those first few times you go out there and it's live and somebody's actually coming and trying to block it and uh, everything, it's a little bit different different scenario and he got one blocked early last year which mm-hmm. maybe kind of messed with things but uh he's been really good uh just a- as solid as you could hope for so far this year um and and like you said with Ryan Hansen you know his he's not going to be a guy who averages 50 yards per punt because they're not putting him in that situation very often JMU has has kind of won the field position battle for the most part this year, and you know, yeah, when they send him out the punt, a lot of times they are, you know, looking for a 35 yarder to pin the other team, and he, he's done a really good job with that. I think that was a good pickup um, in the transfer portal for the Dukes.
0: No doubt, he's, those two have done a really good job. They kind of get overlooked at times, but uh, they've been a big part of what the what the Dukes are doing. Why they're six zero. We're talking to Shane Metland from the Daily News Record and now it's a short week against Marshall. Um obviously Marshall's kind of struggling right now. They lost at Georgia State this past week. Um they lost at North Carolina State the week before. What do you make of their mind what what do you think their mindset will be coming into this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely going to be fired up to uh get back home and you know, play a team that um like we said, not quite top 25, but they can kind of treat this almost like uh bringing right. a ranked team into uh, into a uh, Edwards stadium there in Huntington. I I think it'll definitely be a big time atmosphere. I think they're going to be fired up. They're definitely going to be um, looking for a victory, but they're they're also kind of, I don't know where they're at right now. Reminds me a little bit of where JMU was when they, uh, when they were in a three game losing streak last year. Um, And then they're facing a good JMU team. I think, I think the Dukes match up pretty well with, with Marshall when you talk strengths and weaknesses of both teams but but um you know home game I'm sure that crowd is going to be really fired up that, that's always going to be a factor
0: I, I think so too and I think you're right I think they do match up well with this team because remember Todd Santeo didn't play in this game a year ago and they were playing well early with Billy Atkins and then it just kind of fell apart turnovers were a huge factor and lost that game but uh, just just watching them a few times obviously they can run the ball with Rasheen Ali but they just—they're uh, very inconsistent with their pass game, and I—I just—I don't feel like they can run the ball against the Dukes. Their defense is one of the worst in the Sun Belt against the run. So this could be a game where JMU could really pound the football on the road and kind of take control. So I—I I just feel like this—this this matchup does kind of favor JMU.
1: Yeah, it's not the same Marshall defense that dominated is not. No. the Sun Belt last year. I no. mean, they're giving up. I mean what's well, two weeks in a row where they've given up 40 points or more right, right. and uh that that was have been unheard of for for marshall last year and you know yeah like we talked about the jmu secondary they're getting better but they also like all year have been a team where you know if you're going to beat that secondary it's probably going to be over the top going deep and that's not the strength of cam fancher he, he's right. he's completed some passes and he's racked up some yards recently but um Don't think he's going to do it in a way that's going to hurt JMU too much.
0: I agree. I I just, I feel like this is a good matchup, but it'll be a challenge on the road. and, And the Dukes, again, they, they, They'll have to play well. Marshall's still a really good football team. They were 4-0, flying pretty high, playing really well. until they, They've had some injuries here of late, too, so that could be a factor in the football game. We'll see how it all plays out, but a short week. and uh, I think this this is really good. You mentioned it earlier, but this is r- great exposure. The, the Sun Belt does this for a reason. They've got a game on Tuesday for the second consecutive week. Tomorrow night, they've got the Dukes and Marshall coming up on ESPN Thursday. This is great exposure. If, if Jamie can win and be 7-0, that's going to continue the talk of, of – of, uh, of what we continue to talk about the postseason and everything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's going to be talked about a lot on the broadcast. Yeah. That you know, JMU now is would be bowl eligible in any other situation, and um, you know what's going to happen with that. Um, you know, right now there there are three teams that kind of have separated themselves in the group of five, and you know it's supposed to be the best team from the group of five that goes on and plays in that New Year Six bowl game and JMU would be in that conversation most of the time. They're not because of the transition. Um if anything changes it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, even if nothing changes, if that's just the topic of conversation right. across the country yep. in the coming weeks, that that's a huge deal for a program that's building and kind of building a brand.
0: Yeah, it, no question. It's a big deal. So again, JMU Marshall, seven o'clock on Thursday night this week in Huntington. We'll have it on WSBA our pregame at five on Thursday. You, uh, I saw you put out the the early Ken Palm stuff for uh, men's basketball. What are your first in initial impressions of that?
1: Uh, I think that's sort of <laughs> looks like incomplete information to me. I <laughs> think you know with a lot of transfer portals and everything, you know. Um, but I think what's probably accurate about that is how closely grouped everyone in the Sun Belt was. There wasn't a whole lot of difference. Like, I think his model his uh, <clears throat> his statistical model had um teams tying for first with an 11 and 7 record yeah which uh you know that that that's a uh that's a balanced conference if uh, that's good enough to win the league so yeah. um i think that could possibly be the case i think jmu was probably like a little underrepresented on there um had um essentially tied for first because there was a mistake as far as like counting right. the they, third odu game as, right. a, as a conference game so so that didn't uh didn't didn't make a whole lot of that that was a mistake, but um, yeah, I think JMU, I think they're going to release the uh, preseason polls from the coaches here fairly soon, and I, I would be shocked if JMU's is not uh, the favorite there.
0: Do you do you think they're the favorite as you as you dove in to to these teams and looked at the portal and their additions, their subtractions? Do you feel like they're the favorite going in?
1: I do, and I, you know I always I always kind of like uh, try to caution myself on uh, you know just proximity bias because I've actually seen these guys play a little bit, you know, in practices and pickup games and stuff. And I know who looks good. And, you know, when I see Terrence Edward looking really, really good, you know, that maybe clouds my judgment a little bit, but (laughs) I do just kind of, just kind of like, um, you know, knowing who they brought in, I expect a big year from TJ Bickerstaff. And I expect, um, you know, Michael green to really handle the point guard duties for this team. And I, I do think JMU's is probably the favorite with the depth and the talent they have.
0: Any news that, that you have from them here the last couple of weeks or so that, that you've, you've, I guess, found out by just watching or talking to guys?
1: Not a ton of news. I just, um, you know, just kind of waiting to see them, you know, play and start the season. And uh, But, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, some of the younger guys, uh, um, Jalen Carey mm-hmm. uh, is probably going to step, in and play a lot of minutes um with with justin amati out with an injury uh i would be surprised if Jarrell jo- roberson gets some more run this year uh another young big guy um but you know i think he'll probably also just rely on um a tj baker staff a lot yeah in, in that uh in the post and i think he's going to be really good
0: somebody was 14th out of the 31 conferences do you feel like that's about right for the for the league
1: yeah, probably that seems pretty fair. I mean, you know that's middle, middle that's pack. right in the middle of the pack, I think uh you know, as a mid major still trying to establish itself a little bit. I think that's you know probably probably pretty uh, pretty accurate spot for them
0: any any news from the women's side
1: uh no real news. I think they're they're waiting to hear um hear what happens with heaven bristow she'll uh, get a waiver to be eligible seems seems like they have started granting a few more of those recently after uh, being pretty stingy with them at first. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But you know, should be should be a big year for the women's team too. Um, you know, obviously playing without Kiki Jefferson, but. Uh, expect big things from you know Peyton McDaniel, uh, Susha Kozlova. I think, I think it's going to be a really solid team.
0: Yeah, I do too, no doubt. And, and we should find out more this week. Again, the Sunbelt Basketball Media Days are going on this week. They'll be tomorrow for the men, Wednesday for the women, so we'll find out more. And those preseason polls should come out, so a little bit more basketball talk as we get... Again, we're in the middle of October and uh, we're not that far away from the start of the basketball season, which is kind of hard to believe, but we'll hear some more from uh, the coaches and players this week as the Sunbelt Basketball Media Days are going on in New Orleans. Shane, thank Thank you so much for your time, as always, my man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Dave.